Welcome to the FinTech Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We've got a very exciting episode for you today. It's actually going to be one of our final episodes, I'd say, for the FinTech Podcast for Series 1. Um, so without matter of ado, we've got a special guest uh, from Trip Action. So actually, um, Robin, first of all, how are you doing today? And um, with that, could you actually introduce yourself a bit for our FinTech listeners? Sure. Uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, excited to have this conversation. Uh, just to give everyone a quick summary of you know what I've been up to and how I ended up sitting here talking to you. I've been in the fintech space for the last 10 to 12 years. Uh, so I came over to TripActions a little over a year ago, but before that, I was at a company called Adyen, with which I think a lot of your listeners will, mm -hmm, will know absolutely. well. Um, but I, uh, I, I was at Adyen when we had 12 people in San Francisco and um, I, I ran our acquiring our product, our data and our sales channels teams. And I also was our uh, GM for our issuing offering. So I, I did go to market and product for what we launched as issuing. And so coming over here to Trip Actions, uh, it was clear there was a lot of opportunity around how we could think about fintech and how we can make the experiences a lot richer. Uh, so I came over to help with some of the things that we were doing on our liquid offering. And our liquid offering is at its core, a card issuing uh, component of making expenses and spend management go away. So today on Liquid, I run our product, our uh, engineering design and operations teams. Uh, so pretty much everything that's non-commercial um, on the Liquid team. But yeah, that's a, that's a high level of what I've done. So I'm definitely a FinTech geek and, uh, and, and hopefully we have some really good conversations as we talk through some of these things. Well, I love the sound of this already. You know, anything that's kind of, the whole topic today is going to be fintech, of course, this is a fintech podcast, but all the knowledge that you have that we can try and condense into this um, conversation that we're going to have today is just going to be perfect for our listeners. Um, so thank you for that introduction and actually just getting in a sort of an inkling into where your career journey has been so far actually is going to be quite interesting for the conversation today. So. I think what we're going to do is we're going to try and split this into different parts. Um, so actually to start off with, I think embedded fintech, um, that should probably be one of our first topics for today. So could you actually, for our listeners, talk about what is embedded fintech? You know, could you give us like a 101 on embedded fintech? Yeah, I mean, what, what embedded fintech in the end really is, is taking advantage of all of the fintech infrastructure that exists in the market today. So similar to what I was doing at Adyen where we were building uh, FinTech infrastructure to help on the acquiring side, on the issuing side, um, there are so many great, great companies that enable you to become a FinTech company, even if you're not a FinTech company, right? And that's, that's the amazing part of where we are today, where you can essentially leverage uh, infrastructure that is being built and then you can become a, what they're calling an embedded FinTech player, right? And what that really means is that you can provide richer experiences that sit around payments and fund flows and everything else. It's not part of your core business, but it's so embedded in what you do that you've just made your experience stickier, you've made it richer. And, and for customers, it's just an overall better experience. But that's at a, in a nutshell, that's that's what fin, embedded fintech really does for you. 
So I love that already that kind of um, it kind of felt more like a fintech recipe there, you know, you see actually what you're kind of formulating with this the sticky areas, the kind of the mold of it. Um, so actually with that, could you talk maybe for a second or in further detail, just maybe some of the challenges or the advantages to do fintech? Yeah, I mean, the advantages of embedded fintech really are that you don't no longer you no longer have to build connections into Visa MasterCard, if you're doing a card acquiring or card issuing, you don't need to build into the various banks. Um, <clears throat> that has always traditionally been difficult to do, right? Um, mm -hmm. The beauty of embedded fintech is you say, hey, that's not what I'm really good at, right? At TripActions, we say what we're really good at is user experience. Um, so we want to build great user experiences on top of fintech infrastructure, but the benefits are that you don't have to spend all your time, energy, resources into building those connections to the card networks or to the banks or any of the other technology or even building the regulatory framework that's required to, to work in fintech, right? If you think about it, it's super, super intensive to have to think about all the reg regulatory uh, constraints that you would have if you had to do it from scratch. What we have right now is that instead of building everything, you can buy it. And if you can buy it and you can do it, buy it at a reasonable price and you can make the experience better, that's where it becomes pretty powerful, right? I think the challenge that, that you need to think about is who are the partners that you're going to work with, right? What kind of flexibility are they going to be able to give you, right? So you no longer need to think about the regulatory aspect of things. You no longer need to think about making those connections, but maybe you want to provide an experience that some providers don't allow you to do, right? And so that's kind of the challenge, right? You're, because you're not building it, you'll, you may have a little bit less flexibility. But what's really nice about the environment that we're in right now is that most of these companies have thought about that, right? They've thought mm -hmm. about what flexibility most companies will need and they've built that into what they're doing because i think if i look at all of our partners and we i'm sure we'll talk about them over the course of this conversation if i think about all of our partners you know they're they're really clear that they don't want to do what we're doing right they don't want to provide user experiences they don't want the fully baked product in terms of what we're selling to consumers, right? They mm. just want to be the best that they possibly can be at providing infrastructure that works for as many customers as possible. And so that's, I think, that's why we're in such an interesting time right now, where, you know, even if you look at some of the things that Andreessen Horowitz has been talking about, every, every company can be a, a fintech organization. And it's because of embedded fintech and the infrastructure that sits out there. So I think with what you've just discussed there, obviously, for a lot of our listeners obviously have heard of trip actions they're very aware of your company but i think with this obviously you mentioning it to embedded fintech obviously this is what trip actions is this is what it's all about you know really trying to talk about it in more detail we've got the time today which is perfect um but i think the layout you've just put there robin is actually probably a clear indication for a lot of our listeners of how it is you come about embedded fintech and why it is so significant, um, especially with the current trends we're seeing at the moment, you know, especially had to be said with the pandemic, um, the different platform it is, um, it, it is one to see to say the least. So I think with that, obviously, 
could you go into a bit more detail obviously with kind of you know how does this add context and intent to payments in regards to embedded fintech you know how does this add value for end customers um i know you were talking earlier about the consumer side of things but you know could you offer some more um thoughts on that yeah i mean so one of one of the things that we're doing when we talk about uh what we're doing at trip actions liquid right we're we're like i said we're a card issuing offering at its very core right but if you think about traditional corporate cards or issued cards they're pretty static right like you can't mm. do a whole lot with them because they don't know anything about who you are what you're doing and why you're doing it um what we can do especially because we power a lot of the corporate travel side of our customers business is that we know exactly where people are and why they're there right so as opposed to before where if you asked a cfo hey do you want to give out cards to every single employee they mm -hmm. would they would call you crazy and they would say there's no way that i'm ever going to do that because i can't put the company at that level of risk right absolutely but what we can do is we can start adding context to it, right? We can say, hey, I know you live in San Francisco, but you're in London today. The re as soon as you board that flight, I'm gonna turn your card on. So that means I can give everyone a card, but I if I wanna make sure that they don't show up at the Apple store and buy the new Mac for themselves, mm -hmm. that card's not gonna work. It's only gonna turn on right before I leave for my flight. When I get to London, it also knows what my policy is when I'm traveling. Um, so I can swipe that card. And let's say I, I'm allowed to swipe up to 50 pounds on, on, uh, on dinner. That's all it's going to let me do. If it goes over 50 pounds, it might flag it. And if it goes to 5,000 pounds, it's going to decline that transaction. When you start adding context to the way that you think about payments, you can make it pretty powerful. And I think that's why this is such an interesting time for us as well, because we can essentially say, hey, look, we're managing your spend on how much you spend for hotels and air and car, but mm. we can also give you a card that's going to be controlled just the same way, where you're going to tell us how much people can spend based off of who they are, what they're doing, what client they're with, everything else that you would want to happen in an automated way, but it just doesn't today. So this sounds fascinating because I think what you just said there, you know, this is something, you know, what better way to kind of see this during a pandemic? You, know, you just mentioned there the hospitality sector, you've got hotels, travel, anything that's kind of different sectors where people are actually, you know, they're going to be using a card at that point. So actually having this as a sort of, I guess you could say it's a very personal experience for the consumer because you're still having that kind of secureness, you know, re a reliable service, actually, that if you are traveling, like you said in your example, if you're traveling to London and you think, actually, if I've got X amount on my card, um, it then seems to work more to the consumer side, not only just the business. Is that fair to say? Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's when we think about what the world, well, the, what the world has been during COVID and what the world is going to look like when we get out of COVID, you're going to continue to have more and more distributed teams, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that the power of something like this is not just for hospitality, but for a lot of other use cases, right? Like today, we see over 40% of our spend is not on travel. And it's because people are at home, 
and they need to make business decisions. They can no longer show up in the office and, you know, sign an invoice. Nobody even mm -hmm. cares anymore. You're not doing invoices. You're not doing paper checks, right? You want everything to be digital, which is why, you know, as we all know, being part of the fintech community, I mean, fintech has skyrocketed in the last year and a half. And it's because this, this digitization of payments that we knew was coming just got completely accelerated. Um, and so now you have employees that are sitting all over the world and they're not coming back to the office or they might come back, but they're not coming back every single day. Mm. And you need to enable them. But while you're enabling them, you better have great control and great visibility, right? Um, because you can't just say, hey, here, here's the company's money, go spend it at, as you want. You want to do that, but you also want to make sure that you have as close to real-time visibility as you possibly can and as much control based off of what your policies are. And that's where that's where it becomes really interesting. Absolutely. I think, you know, you just mentioned a very key point there. It's kind of the digital transformation you're seeing in fintech now where it's different, you know, businesses, employees, CEOs are now witnessing, oh, the adaption which can be had with this, you know, anything to do with payments taking place or invoices actually it's working from a very different side of things, but actually the survive and thrive process of fintech is really seeing success, you know, in the last 18 months is, is crazy. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, for, for all of us that have been in this for, for a while, I mean, it's such a, it's such a great thing to start seeing because we knew it was coming, um, but it, it came a lot faster than, than we thought. And I think it's going to result in more businesses like ourselves that are that are using fintech in a really interesting way uh and and you'll continue to see it and you'll continue to see businesses like this um popping up i think definitely i think it will be um one to witness you know we've had guests on the show before where we've kind of thought where are we going to be you know from the start of this I mean six months times 12 months time but actually seeing it you know even towards the end of this year or the kind of the new normal the post pandemic you know big quotation marks when saying that but you know seeing where we're going to be with this and actually whatever success we're seeing now with fintech it can it can only get better so you know i'm all on board for that um so i think for a second robin um we've, we've talked a bit about you know trip actions in association with embedded fintech um you know it's a classic example on this can you tell me a little bit more um you know of an insight into building an embedded product and what that tech stack looks like yeah i think it, i mean probably the best way to talk about this is what we've done on our side and the experiences that we were trying to deliver. I mean, I think as as we all know, I mean, it's it's going to be different for for a lot of a lot of companies based off what their needs are. But I think we're using such a, a a wide set of fintech infrastructure that I think a lot of this will apply to to your listeners as well, right? So, I mean, the first part is really being able to apply policy controls at the time that a card is actually swiped. And I, there aren't that many players that, that can enable that, right? You can, in the past, you could always do authorization controls before mm -hmm. you use the card. And sometimes you could do things after you use the card. But what's really interesting with, which started with Marketa and, and now, you know, if you think about Adyen, you think about Stripe and you think about a few others, you now have the ability to apply domain controls at the point of swipe. And so, you know, 
our ability to use next generation issuer processors like Stripe allows us to do really interesting things that you couldn't do, right? Which means that I can apply all that context that we were just talking about mm -hmm. um, at the moment that someone shows up at a Starbucks and, and swipes their card. Um, and that becomes really interesting. So, so I think next generation issuer processors is, is one. The other one is like being able to connect into, into banks in an intelligent way. So one of the other tools that we use is Plaid. Um, and we use Plaid in two different ways. And I think it's kind of interesting to think about it because some people just use Plaid generally to get the bank credentials and then be mm -hmm. able to log in. Um, we're using, we're using Plaid for two different ways, right? One is that we know that people are going to potentially spend not on the card that we're issuing, the liquid card, but they're going to spend it on their personal card or they're going to use cash. When they make an expense manually that's not on our card, um, we apply policy directly to it. You can use Plaid to connect directly into your bank so that you can just get reimbursed the very next day. That's kind of crazy, right? Like that if you think crazy. about how it used to be, you had to, you you, <laughs> you you taped all your receipts to a piece of paper or you take pictures and then you wait, who knows mm. how long, like a month, two months before you actually get the money back. Here you make a transaction. I, I can just go out and make a transaction um, on a personal card, submit it. And the next day the money's in my bank, which is which is so immediately the the waiting game as say you know is kind of it's kind of been eliminated because it's just it's there it's you know it's it's an instant process yeah it, and it should be that way right i mean that's how i mean these these are the experiences that fintech are enabling right where you're before you just didn't have a way to do this now you're saying look it's in policy i see it's in policy okay i can just connect into your bank and I'm going to send it through. So that's one way we're using Plaid. The other way that we're using Plaid is you might say, hey, you know, I forgot to bring my card uh, when I went on that last trip, but I remember I'd use my, uh, I used my Amex card to, to make those transactions. You can use Plaid to log in, see your transactions um, that you took, we can group them because we know when you were taking trips. So you can say, hey, were you looking for the Amex transactions that you did when you were in New York? And we can mm -hmm. pull the 10 transactions that were there. You don't even have to type them out. You just, you pull them in, which is, That's amazing. which again, it's really cool, right? Like it's something that we haven't been able to do for a while. That is amazing. I think, you know, with all of this being said, it's kind of, I'm just hearing a lot of convenience, you know, whether it is B2C, it's actually just seeing where it can be adapted um, yeah. and really make it work. And actually, um, I was just thinking for a second, obviously, with this, we, we, we've seen uh, spender habits change, of course, obviously, you know, a lot of it has been online and any sort of convenience, like you said, we've not, we've kind of not moved in the last year or so, it's kind of been any sort of delivery that's coming to you. So the mention there of actually thinking of if you're going to use cash or card and actually yeah. still having it as a service that's going to work with trip actions it just it, it, it sounds genius i think it's something which you know it's it's um one thing i was going to say actually um could you just explain for a second for some of our listeners obviously that aren't possibly aren't familiar with the terminology with plaid could you maybe just explain what that is sure yeah i mean so so plaid plaid basically enables you to connect 
into banks globally. They have great coverage in the US and they have great coverage in Europe and they're continue to, continuing to expand. But essentially Plaid, I think a lot of listeners probably have experienced this. Maybe they don't know Plaid is sitting in the background, but a lot of times when you log into a site that wants to get access to your bank, right? Like let's say mm-hmm. you're on Robinhood or, or, or some sort of app which says, hey, I need to get access into your bank. Instead of having to type in your, uh, your Swift code or your routing number or, or, or any of the numbers that you have to memorize from the top of your head, mm-hmm. it can basically redirect you to your bank. And I think a lot of us have experienced that where it redirects you to your bank login page, you type in your credentials and that's it, you're done. So it's it's a lot easier than having to memorize 20, 30 numbers and and you just get super easy access. So, so that's kind of what Plaid is doing. Um, and it'll be interesting to see as they continue to expand globally, um, the type of covers that they're going to have. Absolutely. I think, you know, that was just um, probably the explanation is perfect just some of our listeners like you said a lot of a lot of businesses a lot of consumers have probably you know encountered that on regular basis but actually just i you know i can't remember the day of remembering all the different credentials you needed you know for signing in so you know now it's kind of not not that it's second nature but you just you kind of it just comes as you know a convenience isn't it where actually you don't have to think about it it's, it's already taken care of you know the, uh, the company or the the person behind the curtain has kind of already sorted that for you. Um, yeah. But um, I think, um, so that, you know, that, that's perfect. Obviously you've just explained um, a great example of an embedded product. Um, so I think if we just move on for a moment, Robin, could you yeah. talk about, um, I guess, the usage of virtual cards um, and digital payments? You know, obviously this is something which has skyrocketed this year. Um, what would you say are the benefits of virtual cards? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, one of the things that has been nice being part of the travel industry is that that virtual cards have been a part of the travel industry probably for the last 15 to 20 years. Uh, I think the card networks convinced airlines and hotels that it would do a lot of things that we're going to talk about, right? Like, so in general, being able to tie a single dynamic virtual card to a transaction allows you to have better reconciliation and helps you have better control over fraud and and risk. Um, but I guess if we unpack that a little bit, right, from a mm-hmm. reconciliation perspective, if you think about, let's use travel as an example, because I think it, it makes it easy to understand, right? Like if when you when you talk about booking an individual transaction with a hotel, if someone changes it, if someone needs a refund or someone needs to add more nights to their stay, it's a lot easier to have it tied to a single card transaction than mm-hmm. to have it done as a big bank transfer, right? Um, and then if you also have it being, if it's virtual and if it's dynamic and it's only for that single use case, you have a lot more control over it so that that card can't get out into the the internet or to the you know into the ether and become used by potential criminals right mm-hmm. um i think if you think about what the world is becoming now and what we're seeing and you know when i said we're seeing over 40 percent of usage on non-travel spend um we're starting to see that people want to use cards and merchants want to accept cards more than they did before 
because it just makes the overall process a lot faster. I mean, if you think about a car transaction, payment is immediate, visibility is immediate. Um, there's just a lot more that you can do. So, I mean, if I just give a example from what I just did last week mm-hmm. um, using our liquid product, you know, traditionally the way that we used to pay for invoices. So I had to pay an invoice for our NetSuite membership. Um, and normally the way that it would be done is that I would get an invoice, I would send it to the finance team, and then at some point they would cut a check or send a wire. Or the last option might be that they would just give me a static card and say, hey, here's our corporate card, just go use it. I mean, if you think about all three of those scenarios, there's no way you can track where that money went, what 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 it was for, like, mm. did you spend it on a, on the right thing? What I did last week was I just I requested that I needed to pay, you know, five thousand dollars for this membership. I got a card. The card was only for NetSuite, only for five thousand, and it's going to renew every single year, right? So that means that. I basically just get this card, I type it into the into the website, I'm done. There's no risk to the company. I took as soon as I got the receipt, I just attached it directly to my transactions and I could do it with my mobile phone, I could do it on the it's web. It's amazing. You're done. Yeah. It's uh I mean that becomes super powerful and then you could set you could say, "Hey, renew it every month. 100 bucks every month, you know?" that becomes really, really powerful because now you can see where spend is going, what you're spending it on. You have so much more control than you did before, right? Absolutely. It's it's bringing it back to one of the major benefits of fintech is that it's instant. It's, you know, a service which is so reliable in the fact, you know, you took me back for a second with the use of checks. I mean, in a world now, like to think that you would use a check for something, it's kind of I don't know, it's kind of not really seen as much, you know, because it's that waiting game again of once the check is written and, you know, when is it going to have that sort of transaction? It's just kind of you you don't really know. You have an average amount of days. But then with this, it's kind of, I don't know, like I don't want to say it's kind of a a magic virtual card or something with this, but actually it's you you don't have to think about it. You know, if if you've got like the example you've just given an X amount that's going to be used on the card, it's some sort of routine of service that's going to be happening each year then it's already as though you've got your 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 plan and it, it, it's there yeah no exactly and as soon as once you have that once you have that history once you know where people are spending and especially for us and and i think a lot of others as you can see spend happening across all these customers you can give interesting insight back to those customers to say hey did you know that there's 20 people that are buying MailChimp licenses for for doing mail outreach. Um, Did you know that you're probably paying uh, a little bit more than the average on X license or Y license? I think that you can start doing things so much differently and save money and make it more efficient um, in a way that we couldn't before because you just didn't have access Mm. to that level of data. Definitely. I think, you know, what you've just mentioned there in regards to the data, actually, businesses and consumers, indirectly, you kind of like seeing the analytics, you kind of like seeing the actual evidence of, oh, 
like the example there's actually 20 more people which are doing the exact same process which which you were doing you know it's actually seeing that kind of light bulb moment of wow this is something that's taken off you know we've got a certain demographic or the amount of consumers that are I think, you know, for me personally, obviously, this is something which we always have on the podcast with our side of things, with the analytics of seeing, you know, even just where someone in the world has tuned in for something. So I can imagine how this could be on a fintech level, actually, the amount of uh, users that are using this device or this platform. Um, it's, it sounds great. That's what we think. No, it's uh, I, I think it, I think it's really interesting. I think there's just so many more things that we can we can do. Um, Actually, you know, two things that when we talk about digital cards, right, or virtual cards, mm-hmm. I mean, the other things that that we're doing that are, I think, interesting, and especially for uh, your audience, especially in in Europe, when we think about things like PSD2 um, and secure customer authentication, uh, traditionally, it's been super clunky, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. either you get a text message or an email when you lose your card, most of the time when I lose my card, you call the card company up and, and you say, mm-hmm. hey, I lost my card. How fast can you get it to me? And maybe they can get it to you in two days. Maybe they can take a week. Right now, I could cancel my card and provision a new card within seconds. And that's it. I can start using it again. I mean, that things like that are, I, I think, really, really interesting. Definitely. I was just, I was just thinking there, obviously, going back to um, immediately, I think, you know, security major factor in fintech something which is kind of just second nature again from a business consumer perspective but with what you've just said if you lost your card or it was stolen or whatnot the worst to happen to it and you could immediately get that reassurance of getting it back getting it back to where you first wanted your user experience to be and it kind of it it cuts out any sort of challenges or issues that you're you know gaining with this because you know that feeling if either you've lost your card or it's been stolen and it's that waiting game again of three days of waiting for it to come through. You just, yeah, it, it, it sounds just amazing. I think to be honest, you know, to have this virtual card, it's, it's magic. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's why you see in the market, there's, there's a lot of players that, that are that infrastructure players that are looking at building out uh, issuing capabilities. Right. I, I mean, I think there's, there's new, new entrants, there's companies that have been around for the last seven to 10 years, and then there's companies that are 20 years old, and they're all embracing virtual cards because of all the things that we just talked about. I mean, that's why you're seeing the money pour in um, from venture capitalists to see who can be the big winner, because I, I do think that there is a lot, a lot of opportunity as that pie expand, as, as we start thinking about more payments becoming digital, uh, I, I think that's that's the future for sure. So I think actually that's probably a great point to have mentioned there, Robin, because this is probably where we're going to move on to next, kind of the the future side of things. Where you know where are things going to be in months to let let alone the next year? You know something which is going to be just interesting to witness. Um, I, I suppose for a second, if you could talk about um, you know. What do you see for future fintech trends? Now, I know this this conversation has been sort of heavily dominated with embedded fintech, but, you know, this can be in regards to it being, you know, after a year of a fast paced um, adoption and ramped and digitalization, I guess, um, in the fintech industry. What's the future of fintech look like? Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of the things that we've talked about already today 
is going to drive where fintech is going to be. I think if you think about the next few years, it's going to be capitalizing on all the all the infrastructure that's been built and what kinds of experiences you can create on top of it. And we're going to move further and further away from physical payment and move more towards digital payment. And that means that not even when, because we've been talking a lot about card issuing, but when you talk about lending, when you talk about neobanks, digital banks, like I think all of those players are going to continue to see more and more growth. You're going to see more innovation in those spaces. Um, and that's why you're starting to just see this proliferation of, of all of those, right? Whether it's alternative lending, um, like buy now, pay later, or it's something like, you know, your Varos, your Chimes, your Monzos, your Revoluts, right? Like those are all coming as a result of this infrastructure. And you're just going to see that continue to expand. And then you're going to see more companies like us, right? Where we're not necessarily in fintech specifically, but because we believe that it completes the overall experience, you're going to have companies like us. You're going to see Uber that's already pretty deep in payments. You're going to see Google and Airbnb and Facebook. And a lot of these tech players who aren't traditionally fintechs are already recognizing that there's a huge opportunity here. And I think that if you start taking a lot of these puzzle pieces of the infrastructure that are being built, um, the future is 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 going to be really promising and really interesting. So I, I think you know, in, in general, all of this acceleration of digital payments is going to help drive some of these experiences, and you're going to continue to see more multiplayer fintech companies like ourselves, which are saying, "Hey, let me just take a whole bunch of different pieces of fintech and see how I can make." make a make a really interesting product out of it mm, absolutely i think you know with what you just talked about there you know we'd love you know any of our guests that have been on the show any of our audience that have tuned in any sort of positive fintech moving forward obviously is like a hot spot um on this podcast but i think with what you just said there actually just seeing the optimistic side actually moving forward you know there's only only you know the only way is up moving on from here in regards to going back to the survive and thrive mentality we had at the start of the pandemic in regards to fintech um you you just mentioned there obviously like a i guess a positive note um of where you see the future for fintech trends um i suppose just for a second robin i was just thinking would you from um a business side you know would you have any sort of thoughts or advice moving forward which would you know be targeting either a consumer or a business um, in the fintech industry yeah i mean i guess so, sorry you're you're saying like as far as where potential listeners might want to think about mm. um how they how they think about their fintech strategy absolutely yeah yeah i mean i i think that that you really need to look at what it is that you're underlying when you think about something like us right when you think about a multiplayer fintech approach you really need to think about okay well what's my core business and what it is, what is it that i'm actually doing um, today and how how are their payment interactions as we go through that overall experience so like for us we realized that people were already using our corporate travel platform to make spend decisions and where we realized that it was broken was that we weren't 
connecting the dots between all the other payments that were happening when somebody was on a trip. Um, and so when you're in that place, then you say, okay, well, hey, how, can, how do I solve that? How do I capture some of that additional spend? How do I make that overall experience better? And then you go and you look for, for FinTech infrastructure plays that might make sense, right? I mean, I mentioned Uber. Uber is, is similar but different at the same time, right? I mean, in a way, they have, they have a dual-sided marketplace. They want to get drivers to have cards. So they're also issuing cards but they're looking at it from a different perspective, right? They're not looking at it from how do I have better visibility on spend? They're thinking about how do I make it more interesting for drivers to stay on my platform? And how do I make it interesting for people that are taking rides mm -hmm. to also have a similar type of experience where they feel like we're giving them something that's tied to the payments that they're making on our platform, right? So I think for, it just depends on, you know, what your core business is and start thinking about what payment interactions you have within that experience today. And then what could you improve? And then, then I'm pretty sure you can go out and you can find the right infrastructure that's going to help you drive that business. That's perfect. I think, you know, from what you've just said there, that will resonate a lot with our fintech listeners. This is, you know, listeners who are from a, a consumer perspective, business perspective, you know, so it's kind of, um, it's ticked all the boxes there. I think this is something which is just going to be something we're constantly going to witness um, with the fintech trends at the moment, but the positive approach sounds perfect. Um, Robin, it's been an absolute delight having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for your time. Like, like I said, I think this is an interesting time for all of us. Um, and as as all your listeners, as well as the just general fintech community starts thinking about, you know, what kinds of really cool, interesting offerings we can make, I think that the processes that we've been used to really can change in, in a dramatic way. Um, and so it'll, it's going to be exciting for the next few years to, to see what, what, what people do. I second that. I think this is just... This will be a fun waiting game, I'd say. This is the only positive side to FinTech where we can actually see where is this going to go next? This is going to be, you know, just exciting. Um, no, thank you so much, Robin. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and I wish you all the best and trip actions as well with this. But um, all the best for 2021. Thank you very much. Same to you.